Danube River flows through Slovakia, Hungary, Romania and Ukraine. Spilling back into deep time, into the Dacian Empire, the Samaritan and Socratic lines, all the way across Galicia, the Kingdom of Hungary, the Habsburg Empire. One midsummer's night, on the edge of an inconspicuous brook, the Tisa River flees the Danube. Overlooked by Carpathian forest, it brims with rocks of exploded prehistoric volcano. A queen leaves a pearl on the foot of a precipice. A shepherd's delight. The window rips open. A Hutzel elder describes the sensation of a blue hot wind. A shadow dances around the old man's wooden table. Untold entities. Beyond the human contours of a people, of a tribe, a nation. Beyond the flocks of cattle, the flow of rivers, and the migration of birds. There flies a night spirit. Once an eagle owl flew through the valleys of Transcarpathia. A gazelle's horn hanging on its claws. There was a silent swoop. Threshold crossings. Look. The vampire mid-flight.
Hello. My name is Kara Meyer, that I DJ, make radio, and compose sound pieces under the name Carport Lamb. Welcome to episode two of a series I've been working on called Radio Vorm Gostemir Kusma, or alternatively, Petting a Cow's Nose in a Pumpkin Patch. Mea Kusma is a music festival set in a small village in the absolute east of Belgium. Cocooned by a valley of cows, fields, rivers, and church bells, Mea Kusma brings together DJs, musicians, artists, and music nerds from all over the world for an extended weekend of frolicking and sonic exploration. The festival foregrounds experimental and outsider music across all genres. From legends of the decks such as Philip Jondo and Bud Techno, to the ambient explorations of Ulla Strauss, a museum of no art, exciting life acts such as Dali Muru and the Polyphonic Swarm in Wild Hoy, and Lil Radio's impressive stage in a cozy old hay attic, highlighting label legends such as Moopy and Nose Drip, to be a mea kusma means to be bathed in a feeling of real love of music. The feeling of conviviality and mutual respect pours out of the walls of the old structure that houses it all, the Alta Schlachthof. The terrain is composed of orchards, Christmas huts, pumpkin patches, and couches strewn between the fields. It is a magical place I feel lucky to have experienced and can't wait to tell you about. In this episode, I share excerpts from my interview with Dalia Nais and Anir Da of Dali Muru and the Polyphonic Swarm, as well as excerpts from my brief chat with a visual designer and long-term Strom affiliate, Nana Essi. Dalia, Anir, and I sit sun-blinded in a communal garden and discuss their universe of references. Sergei Parianov's Shadows of Forgotten Ancestors from 1965, Dario Argento's soundtracks, the power of rivers to transgress borders and time, their upcoming book and soundtrack, The Swarm, a multimedia continuation of the universe they have created with their debut album, and how the experience of an album shows that music is a journey, a durational piece the listener sits through and experiences in real time. We also discuss finding their home on Strom, alter egos in music, and their attempt to transgress the heteronormativity of love songs by dedicating one to a bore. We've just been listening to Finest Escape, the first song off their debut record, then Blind and Quiet by Pablo's Eye, the cover of which features superimposed images of Nana's parents, and now Swaddle Didolf Rosé, this hour will only feature music released by Strom. Nana Essi has been a key part of Strom's universe since the very beginning. With her, I discuss what Strom was like in the early days, the history of online radio as she lived it, the playful, ambiguous, near-fictive identity of Strom, and what it was like to, as she says, wake up with the radio and go to bed with the radio every day. I hope you enjoy.
I yeah, I'd love to talk about the, the album. You said you were living in Budapest. Um, you pronounced it well. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> um, do you maybe wanna? I mean, how does it how does it go for you? You write the you write the lyrics and then you sing them, or is the sonority of the words already there when you're writing the words? It's a really good question. Um, some of them come. It comes all in different stages, honestly, yeah. because the swarm. <laughs> now I can call it that because that's what it's called. Mm. It happened like I definitely wanted to write. Mm-hmm. It was definitely this impulse. I wanted to write. This is this project. I wanted to write and research experience. You know, so yeah, the writing is a way of kind of exploring all the these connections with yeah. things. So, and it happened like yeah bits of just like I had some ideas and I've just like started writing and some of it's more prose yeah, yeah. so it wasn't necessarily going to be lyrics yeah. you know yeah. and then sometimes then a lyric happens because let's say we were like sending he was sending me like a track and so I just then the Danny Dwellers mm, yeah, came up yeah. because it came up because I was inspired from the writing mm, Yeah. you know so and then sometimes I add a piece that I wrote and the first track, for example, I don't want to, like, you might not know as much as I, how I, meticulously I know the album, but the first track is an extract from a text that is from The Swarm. Oh. And I added it later. So these so two projects coexist. They're already they're completely coexisting oh, okay. in the same. And the it's same hard universe. to say what comes first. Actually. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I would say no. I mean, it's how you're right. Yeah. Yeah, basically, it's how I write a book, because I have to go through an album, and then the book comes, yeah. or the other way around. Yeah. At this point, I would like to note that the yeah. wind is very clearly the fourth entity I mean, present in this conversation. The we did were all based on this research I was doing about wind. Yeah. Interesting. So there's a lot of stuff that comes from the text that I wrote, this book I wrote, and then at the same time, it's so it's always been in parallel. Yeah. Yeah. And with both of these projects you were talking about like pulling these different ideas together but in your words what are the the feelings that you're pulling together what are you pulling from Uh, and of course the danube is a very Mm. interesting river as well Mm. and your record in some ways seemed kind of historical and um mystical but I'm also curious, aside from the lyrics itself, what the feeling with the music is trying to bring across, how you would put it, like the the story of the emotions of the record. Mm. With the music and the, the whole thing together. And the writing together, yeah. Because yeah. of course the language can evoke emotion, but yeah. so can the sound. Yeah. yeah, I guess there is this whole thing about the non-verbal with music, right? Because the writing gives you evokes something mm-hmm. the rivers and the themes and the kind of universe that mm-hmm. I'm maybe referencing and stuff yeah. and, the, and the music is I guess it's more of a journey Yeah, it becomes more of a you know it is like a durational thing yeah. so you actually do live it through yeah. in a way which is more of the body as well yeah. Yeah. I think what I like about what uh. we do <laughs> Let's just show off now. <laughs> we ever get a chance to do that. Um, it's that it's kind of this feeling. There's a lot of feeling, but I like that there's a bit of what you call, I would say, not a coldness, but 
a slight touch of it being a bit impersonal mm -hmm. so it doesn't get too like like when we I, I kind of sorry the phone is ringing so I was just checking <laughs> it. Uh, it's mine. oh it's yours <laughs> <laughs> um, so what I think what we what I like that it remains quite cosmic yeah like it's 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 personal in that there are stories and it is about sometimes in some ways alter egos yeah. and about maybe on some level the lyrics can be drawing from my life mm -hmm. my experience my history my ancestry whatever you want to call it but at the same time I like that we ma managed to make this multi-layered kind of landscape that yeah. goes into all the directions of yeah. like the non-human life yeah. and yeah. communities yeah. histories across time and space and I think that the album format is so epic that yeah. you can kind of hold all these kind of things together you know yeah, we're kind of trying to <clears throat> tell a story through music yeah and, and lyrics yeah obviously but it has to be a journey yeah that's something we also work on when we're playing live, like trying to make sure it goes it, up and down, yeah, yeah, and tempo and yeah. feeling, and and you know, yeah. So th there's not really it's about vibrations, also, yeah. and yeah. so yeah, related to body, obviously. Like yeah. Said. So we don't really have like actual oh, like right. love songs as such, for yeah. example, or we. My boy. <laughs> so my love song in that album is for, to, for a boar. <laughs> for a what? A pig. Out of four. Yeah, that was the love song. Yeah, uh, it's like called My Boar, yeah. and it's a love song this very beautiful pig. And so, you know, like we like, I like to disrupt the kind of, um, you know, the normative heteronormativity mm -hmm. of sometimes that world, yeah, uh, especially in song form as yeah. well.
was wondering uh, if there are any films or um, albums, musicians, not that maybe you were inspired by, but that you felt were creating some kind of parallel world to draw from. Definitely. <laughs> now my nerdy side is coming yeah. out. <laughs> well, <laughs> we literally, I mean, it's not even yeah. like, it's in the album. We've actually taken from the source material, which in some ways a lot of the album is a tribute to, which is this film called Shadows of Forgotten Ancestors. Okay. Do you know it? No. Um, it's by this Armenian Georgian filmmaker called Sergei Parajan. Oh, I saw the color of Yes. Okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah. That's I should really watch that. Color film. Pomegranates is great. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's a big <laughs> thing. I love it. Yeah. 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 So he made a film called Shadows of Forgotten Ancestors okay. in the Carpathians of the Ukrainian Carpathians. Yes. Yes. And the film is amazing. And also the soundtrack is mm. really cool. Mm. It's like kind of folk, basically. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, really quite um, raw folk soundtrack cut together quite interestingly. And it's very ecstatic cool yeah so we even I even like sampled some oh, secretly yeah bits. <laughs> like you can't really secretly. hear it's very very imperceptible cool. but it's some of it is inside the album yeah yeah and I even got a Jew harp oh interesting which they play in that film and I tried to learn it and <laughs> I'm not great at it but you know it works for with a bit of a pedal effect it's fine <laughs> and I used it for a few tracks Cool. Um, so yeah, there's that kind of influence that's coming in. Yeah. Obviously, not like it's quite playful. I yeah. hope so. It's not yeah. too. Um, so there's that film, and but we've been influenced also by uh, Dario Argento. Dario Argento. Dario, yeah. yeah. yeah what did he make? He... Um, well, Suspiria. Oh yeah, the original. They, they make yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 They, uh, we, <laughs> the remake was quite good actually. It wasn't bad. <laughs> I haven't seen it either. But no, but no, the the fine. first one was like uh, the soundtrack. Was yeah, just like, it's nice. It's raw. It's like wow. Yeah. It's in your face. It's pretty it's, rocky actually. Mm. But like there's some like percussions like like you know like in the beginning in the storm when she's uh, yeah, running. Yeah, so good. Wow, it's intense. Like yeah. it's really, it's. I find it beautiful, and cool. for sure we've mentioned it many times. That's another example. Yeah, we've had. So there are quite sort of cinematic <coughs> references yeah. to, to some some soundtracks, but also just to the film and the yeah. feeling of a film yeah. can mm-hmm. just kind of yeah. come in, and then we're feeling like, let's paint this film in our yeah. way mm-hmm. with sound. hinted at this before you were talking about your ancestry and then talking and I were living in Budapest but what was it about the Danube and the Carpathian mountain mm. range that made you feel so excited yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, it was a few things. There was something that happened when I was there. First of all, yeah, my family have come from that part. Uh, and I didn't want to make, because they all came from that period during the war, Holocaust. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so there's that heavy history yeah. and a lot of like mm. people not wanting to go back there. Mm. And so I wanted to do something a bit different. Yeah which is to honor that but also to kind of explore all the layers yeah. that have happened yeah. across space and time yeah. so not to just reduce it to this one moment yeah. um, and to think about all the different kind of species and yeah. migrations that yeah. happened yeah. so the Ottomans yeah. that came in and the Romans yeah. and the Dacians yeah. that's a very interesting place on Earth yeah it is it's yeah. really a weird kind of and the Danube is just this massive, yeah. crazy, yeah. flowing thing that go, cuts across all these different, goes across borders and yeah. territories. The last few sounds in that were taken from an online archive. They are the sounds of a stream in the Carpathian mountain region, the sounds of the Danube, of frogs, and lastly, of the Blue Danube. The songs I played were A Longstanding Dream by Pablo Zai, Which Wizened, and My Boar by Dali Muru and the Polyphonic Swarm, and then Arabesque by Hila Kinsela. Next, we discuss their connection to Strom, and then Nana tells us a bit about what it was like to be part of the project from the inside.
and actually releasing this uh, uh, album on Stroom was a big thing for us, like, you know, so it's just something we're still experiencing, yeah. so to say, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, we yeah. need a bit of time yeah. Yeah, to process <laughs> yeah. it somehow. Yeah, and it's happening very quickly somehow, yeah. yeah. But we still managed to make this kind of soundtrack that is supposed to be released in 2023, cool. so that's cool, yeah. also unexpected, but yeah. so we're just taking things out. And you did also create such a big Yeah. Move on to the next world quickly. How did the, I mean, how did your collaboration with Strong come about? How did you, mm. what do you feel about the record label? How did you discover yeah. that? How did they discover Yeah, you? I mean, honestly, we I listened to his, <laughs> do you know the NDS? Yes, oh, right. yeah, first. <laughs> so I listened to his nose drip. Yeah. And I, and I was listening to this, like, years ago, like, yeah. however many years ago, four years ago, just as a way of just, you know, enjoying that. I thought I just used to randomly listen to it, and think yeah. this is really cool. Yeah. And then looking at the tracklist and thinking, who, who, who are these? These yeah. fucking weird artists <laughs> he's got there. It's amazing, yeah. you know. And just really enjoying it and sending it to friends. Then I sent it to you, I think once. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And there was this friend who has actually a very cool small tape label called uh, Two Soon Tapes, and uh, she once sent me an album that was released on Stream, telling me like. It could sound like the stuff you were making with uh, Dahlia. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. And I passed it on to, to Dahlia, and we listened to it, and we're like, okay, yeah, nice. And yeah, it was all process of, uh, well, ne networks. And basically. Yeah. Total tracks, yeah. maybe, you know? Yeah, yeah. I really, I was ah. going to ask about that as yeah. well. Yeah. I really love him as a well, figure. And yeah. Like yeah. the track he did as well. Yeah. What What was he doing specifically in that track? <laughs> I couldn't so, so I know. story behind this that so we we told him or Dahlia sent him our album saying like yeah we like do you know this Trum label and all this and I said yeah of course I know Ziggy yeah. personally yeah. so if you want I can send him your your album and, and see where it goes and Ziggy just loved it yeah so and we didn't even realize because Ziggy we thought that all his records are actual reissues yeah. of 70s, yeah, exactly. 80s. True. We didn't think he would take no. new people. And yeah. even people now think yeah. that they're weird. They expect us to come from the 80s. Because oh. they think that we're a reissue. Our <laughs> album is a reissue. But that's kind of, that's kind of cool. That's great. Like, yeah, it's quite yeah. funny. I'm happy if we don't exist. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, But he does. he was also going to mix and anymore. produce the record. Oh. So it, he was going to, but due to Ziggy or to no, <laughs> two loose low tracks. Yeah. What's his real name? Is his uh, name Detlef. Detlef. Yeah, Detlef. I hate yeah. calling people Mine by their artist name. Yeah. I know it's a bit stink. It's a bit <laughs> I think it's gross. I don't want to say first name Toulouse, second name Low Tracks. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Um, yeah, Detlef. Yeah, and he was supposed to mix it, and uh, but it was during COVID. Yeah, there was just a lot COVID of stuff like you couldn't, get, you know, just was struggling. Yeah. So he just did Finest Escape, the first track, and he's like, oh, we'll leave that. Yeah. It's a cool contribution. Yeah. He did some nice processing and yeah. some added a few kind of beats, mm. okay. and we're like, okay, cool. That, thank you. Yeah. That was great. And yeah. he's part of it somehow. Yeah. But yeah. So instead yeah. of mixing it all, it just like featured.
other records, at least for me, found such a appropriate home with Strom was because um, Ziggy and a lot of the artists he features play a lot with the poetics of the space they're in. It's really mm. like a foreground, this like the sad Belgian boys in Ostend, you know. Like mm, this, he liked the sort of site specific yes, psychogeography. I love that so much. Yeah. And that's also what I was so interested in with your record. Mm. Um, having like an actual space to explore, like creating kind of like a imaginary. Well, it's definitely imaginary because, of course, you know, it, it, it's both. I mean, of course, there's research, but it can only go. I'm not a historian. Yeah. So I'll never be able to produce the definitive history yeah. of the Carpathians and the Danes. <laughs> <laughs> and my research is very fragmented and intuitive. Yeah. But it's more there to then click together yeah. the kind of points of connection and the constellations of yeah. things that you might not think are connected. Eagle owls fluttered their wings. Then there was an explosive alchemy. A film stop, nitrate, celluloid, and digital glitch. Birds of Budapest gliding in flocks over the Danube at night. an inverted diasporic migration film. The birds circling in delirious spirals over the Danube. The crescent of the moon illuminating their beaks. We waited collectively for the chime of the bell, announcing the end of the screening. The velvet curtain rose and fell, and I finally drifted into the Danube, naked and determined to journey into the Carpathians. What night is there that will herald this love, both prehistoric and futuristic?
This last part of the show consists of excerpts of a conversation I had outside of Studio Leo in Eupen with Nana Essi. Nana Essi is an art director and the co-founder of Atelier Brenda, a virtual studio based in Belgium. Nana is also creative director of Strom. I met her while No Strip was DJing at the Hoiboden. Uh, I was sitting next to her and somebody else in the corner I had occupied the entire weekend, which was the perfect corner to watch which buttons the DJ was pressing. And I had seen a girl the night before with a lollipop, and so that day at the supermarket I bought myself a lollipop too. And I offered it to the two girls that were sitting next to me, and one of them was Nana. And we were both watching Nose Drip, whose real name is Ziggy, DJ, and started kind of talking about it. And I had no idea who she was or what her involvement with Strom was. But I'd had this conversation with Dahlia and Enyer about um, the graphic design of the album with Strom. They had been telling me how uh, they didn't really have a relationship with social media where a big part of their the visual identity of their world wasn't really carried over on social media. And I responded by telling them that in my conception, their visual identity is very much based on the graphic design of the album, which is really beautiful, this kind of jade green um, with a very particular font and how the font had really taken up their identity in my mind. And uh, I was saying this to Nana, somehow it came up. Uh, well, Nana turned out to be the graphic designer of this album cover that I was talking about earlier in that day and had done a lot of the album covers for Strom over the years. And so we started talking about all these different very specific design choices she'd made and she was telling me like the minute decisions she'd made, like, oh, this was this, this was this, this was the idea. It was just so incredible to be sitting there talking to the person who'd made all these design choices. Alles ist 
um, what was, where did, where did, I don't know, where did the idea for Sloan come from? Yeah. If it wasn't, because you, I mean, you guys clearly weren't copying No, there was an existing... It wasn't a, nah, that, that's the thing, it wasn't a, Actually, there was first, Ziggy started streaming even before Sloan existed. He had, like, this thing uh, called Justin TV. It was, like, a website where you could stream something. Okay. Um, so it would be, like, Justin TV slash Nerdflip or something like that. And um, he used to stream at specific moments, like, I don't know, Christmas time or something. Or we did, like, an event together in Bruges. Um, so Ziggy, I, and Sophie, who's also at the festival now, she, she's the one I'm doing Atelier Brenda with. Oh, cool. Which is my so we know each other a long, for a long time and um, we're doing like this event which Ziggy curated and there for instance was also an online streaming okay. on this Justin TV. So when and was this? this was also with Brecht. Oh cool. And um, I think Friedrich was also there. This was in 2013. Okay. That's the year that the radio started. So we were doing this in April or May or something. And then October 2013 Storm went live for mm -hmm. the first time. And um, so Tommy, the guy who was like the kind of nerdy software fixer, <laughs> made sure it worked. And the nice thing about it was this: it wasn't anything preconceived. As in, let's just try and make a website where we can stream from. So they got connected, and voila, then they went live. And the nice thing was because of this program for gamers, it was a visual thing. So it was also a TV. Yeah. So um, you could. Uh, save Im you could save images or work with your own collection or you could uh, connect a camera to yeah. it and then you would have like different channels and you could put on different layers so you yeah. could it's just like working in photoshop basically yeah. that's very basic and you did that yeah i mean we all did that a bit but it was quite clear from the beginning or something like i was just super into it yeah. and i was just i would just like wake up every day and that's the first thing i would do is just go to the desk that's so nice. Start making the visuals. My beautiful burglar sneaking into my flat. Right this way. Here's the key. So 
yeah, then you had NTS, and then in 2015 there was the very first online radio festival, which was in Amsterdam, in Musikgebouw aan Air. What was it called? Online radio festival. What? Just like I've online radio festival. Those. There was not, it didn't have to have another name because yeah. there was no such thing as an online radio festival. So yeah. that was the first one. Wow, that's so cool. In 2015. So we were there with. Red Light Radio. Was, yeah, we were there with Red Light Radio, with uh, Boiler Room, with NTS, with Burning Community Radio. so personally interested in grasping the history of online radio. <laughs> it's like so interesting to meet mm. someone who saw all these different things. Oh yeah, but then you should definitely try and talk to all of those. The boys. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> Burning, Burning Community Radio was the only group that was female. Yeah. Also on the online radio festival, the vibe was, it wasn't, that was kind of weird because it was never this thing where we were consciously um, feeling like women were underrepresented or mm -hmm. something like I mean there was just like for instance Strom it's Strom is a female uh, personage totally yeah I was just thinking that I mean she 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 kind of expresses herself as being female yeah, yeah. but also Wait, Strom I mean, as a persona yeah yeah, she has a persona, but maybe now less than uh, than it used to be because when the radio was still going, making the visuals like that would be like um, uh, things happening in the media, or we would show things of history or movies or like those visuals, and there would always be like, especially if some DJ or someone would come to do a show, which could all could could also be poetry. It didn't yeah. always have to be like. A, dance show there was yeah. a lot of conceptual things happening i mean it so was a, cool. it was super free it's like how you imagine that there was the first time the internet and people yeah. had access to the yeah. internet yeah there's no such thing as there's nothing that's kind of preconceived yeah. you just totally. think like okay i want to do this mm -hmm. and voila so um we used to write a lot when we used to announce people she would kind of talk from her persona oh. also when i think when when ziggy does the newsletters for the releases Maybe in the beginning there was also a little bit more mm. kind of a, a, a person. It has such it. a world. It's so interesting. Yeah, we it's used to we, we used to all we we used to make stuff like I don't know like a USB stick, and then there would be like this quote on it. Um, the girl that won't return your love yes. but it's still oh, be worth this. it. Oh, I know this. This is the Bandcamp bio. Yeah, voila. Yeah. Yeah, that's a band, Bandcamp bio, but it's actually from this. And then yeah, I don't know. Like I made once this kind of mouse mats. This mouse pad for your mouse for your mouse, and it's this image of it was from a visual that I made in the studio, and it was like this image of L'origine du monde, you know this yeah, painting, yeah, yeah. but it's like a stream from it was like like a water stream, very like zen-like water stream oh. that was just like on top of her, and it was streaming like that, and I thought like it would be nice for a mouse pad, so it was like a lot of those stupid funny jokes mm. or things that you do that we used to materialize in yeah. objects or in text or in. I don't know, in shows yeah. or something like that. So Okay, so Strom started in like 2013. Yeah. I'm also, I think it is kind of cool to be talking to you and not Ziggy about this. Because <laughs> you also totally have, like, I mean, the visual identity of Strom is a big part of 
mm-hmm. its characteristic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But like the studio itself, the experience of the studio, what was it like to have guests there? What was like, I mean, what were... Yeah, it was... Um, who, how would you would choose be, guests? Like who would come that by? Would, that would be supernatural in a way. It's not something you can also kind of plan. Like as soon as you start like planning too much mm. or like we need to have this person, we need to have this person or then it becomes too forced in a way like mm. it has to come from a feeling where you just need to express something or you need to organize something and it doesn't matter who's I mean you want to share it with people but it's and you do it for them in a way but you also in the first place you do it for yourself because mm-hmm. that's the that's the main drive like if, of course, if, of if course. somebody would yeah so that's there was not like this kind of program but since Ziggy already had kind of a following he was also doing um, he had his mixed cloud shows okay. which was before Strom and before NTS and he already let I think he already had like 10 or 11k followers that oh. were like religiously listening to his shows every month yeah every month um, and so he was a kind of a semi-known figure in the scene um, so it wasn't hard for people to invite themselves yeah. to ask if, I, if they can do a show. Yeah. Or he would know a lot of people and then he would invite them, like, do you want to come over? Because, yeah, you just know them, so you want to share your radio space yeah, with them. Totally. So that's where it's coming from. And then sometimes when there would be like this kind of event or, sh- or a show or a party uh, in Ghent, then sometimes people would tell the other the, the people that come to play i don't know k alexi for instance not that we were all like a fan of him as a dj per se but he's just like this kind of figure and then somebody said uh, because everybody knew Strom, somebody said like ah by the way it, you should go and visit this online ra- you should mm-hmm. go and visit like this studio thing it's kind of this weird place and yeah. people are making i don't know it's kind of a community vibe and yeah. there's like tv and then they sometimes they're interested and then yeah. they would just come by and that was so it was like mouth open space yeah i mean we were i don't think there was never this thing like no this is we never really wanted to do exclude people mm. everybody kind of need to have the chance to have that platform yeah even if it's crappy the crappiness was part of its charm totally. as well um but of course not every everyone was playing at the radio because you also have people that were just taking it too serious and then just have like these kind of crappy housey shows and <laughs> it's okay for one or twi- one time or like two times but yeah. then you don't want to yeah that's not the kind of message that we wanted to send out or something you don't want to chase people away yeah. <laughs> with this bad programming but um, actually it was just very punk that's what it yeah. was Everything that we did was, we did something for the first time and everything was pink. Yeah. And it was very consistent because there would be, people would be coming over every fucking day. How did everyone balance this? I mean, where did... There was no balance. There was just throwing yourself in there. Yeah. It was just breathing, living, eating, and fucking in the studio. And you lived there. That's hmm? crazy. Because you lived in the studio. I was living there. somewhere. I, I had my, my place was somewhere, but Sigi was living there and I was just there all the time. So yeah, yeah. we were... Yeah, you, 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 you get up with the radio and you go to sleep with the radio. For 30 years or more, you realize the guests have gone, left their ashes on the floor, the party's over.
So. Oh. 